Welcome to the Incoterms 2020 Rules Series by Trade Finance Global. Part 10. Free on board, FOB. One of the rules for sea and inland waterway transport. FOB in the Incoterms 2020 Rules require the seller to place the goods on board the vessel. Whether they need to be lashed, whether they need to be trimmed, whatever it is that is relevant to that cargo should be determined in the contract of sale between the seller and the buyer. I'm Dipesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Talks. And today we're here with Bob Renai, member of the ICC Incoterms 2020 drafting group. And we're joining Bob on his world tour discussing some of the key changes in the Incoterms 2020 rules. Now, this is the 10th part of this series, and today we're discussing FOB, free on board, one of the rules for sea and inland waterway transport. So, Bob, over to you. What's FOB? And also, if you could give a quick background in terms of who you are and where you're from. Sure. I'm Bob Ronai. I had the fantastic experience of being invited to be a member of the drafting group of Incoterms 2020. I live in Australia, which is surrounded by water, and FOB has been a staple of trade to and from Australia for a good couple of hundred years. FOB, in practice, is the most commonly used trade term. And I use that rather than Incoterms rule for the simple fact that the vast majority of the uses of FOB do not look to the Incoterms rules for the definition. They merely assume in the contract that both seller and buyer know what it means. They've, they have an, an implied agreement, we hope, on what they think their obligations are. The seller and buyer typically just assume that the rule means when the goods are on the vessel in the exporting port, that this is the point where the seller has delivered and the risk passes to the buyer and the buyer has an obligation to pay. And this actually makes great sense. It's not what the Incoterms rules say. It makes sense from the point of view of a buyer in another country who knows now that the goods are literally on the water. And we're talking containers. They know the containers are on the ship. They've got an onboard bill of lading and they're happy with that. They can track it these days on the internet. The Incoterms 2020 rules, repeating what the 2010 rules said, repeating what the 2000 rules said, repeating what the 1990 rules said, is that FOB is inappropriate for container transport. Whether that's a reality or not is certainly open to debate. The vast majority of transactions quote FOB without referring to the rules. FOB in the Incoterms 2020 rules require the seller to place the goods on board the vessel. It requires them to do so. It does not say for them to arrange for it 
or to use another party or whatever. It goes back to the sailing ship days when the sellers' labour would throw a sack of potatoes on their shoulder and walk up the gangplank and deposit the sacks of potatoes into the hold of the vessel. It goes back to the day when there was manpower in the hold of the vessel juggling all manner of cargo in that hold so that it didn't fall over or destroy itself in the voyage. These days, it, according to the rules, covers non-containerised transport, and there's certainly plenty of that. But the vast majority of uses of FOB is in the container trade. In FOB, the seller is the exporter for customs formalities in the exporting country. How the seller goods gets the goods to the vessel is irrelevant. It is, of course, at the seller's risk, but the rule doesn't concern itself. The rule starts with delivery on board the vessel. It used to be, and people still sometimes think of it as being when the goods cross the ship's rail. That was deleted very sensibly in 2010. But 2010 and 2020 rules don't actually define what delivered on board means. That will be dependent on the nature of the cargo. Probably it would be treated, I guess I'm not being a lawyer, but if it went to a court, I think it would be treated as when the goods are safely on board, they're not going to fall overboard, they're not going to fall over in the hold of the vessel. Whether they need to be lashed, whether they need to be trimmed, whatever it is that is relevant to that cargo should be determined in the contract of sale between the seller and the buyer. Now, the seller must deliver on the vessel which has been nominated by the buyer. So clearly, if the vessel's not yet in port, delivery cannot occur, even if the seller has his goods sitting on the wharf. The seller is not the shipper. The contract of carriage typically would not name the seller. It is between the buyer and the carrier. So there's every chance that the seller should not be named as the shipper. But typically they will be. They'll be given the mate's receipt because after all they did put the goods on board the vessel and typically in many trades, especially with letters of credit, they will obtain the bill of lading from the master and guess who will be named as the shipper. Now, that may cause the seller to take on responsibilities at the other end that they really did not foresee or even account for in their pricing. There could be risks, but risk has transferred to the buyer the moment the goods are on board. In theory, if the vessel sank one hour after the last of the goods were put on board, then the seller has carried out its obligations to put the goods on board the vessel. It would be the buyer's risk. If the vessel sinks in transit, it is the buyer's risk. The buyer is obligated to pay the seller. Whether the buyer claims under its own insurance or takes the risk itself is of no concern to the seller. However, it would be a wise seller, especially when we're talking 
high value cargoes in bulk to possibly consider contingency insurance if it's available to them. Because if for some reason that vessel sinks or the cargo is lost for any reason or damaged, or worse still, it's a commodity and the market goes against the seller, the goods arrive at destination and they discharge, but the buyer refuses to pay for them, then there could be problems and the seller might be wise in having some form of contingency insurance. But that, I just mentioned, quite outside the provisions of the Inco Terms 2020 rules. That's a simple practicality. So with FOB, should a letter of credit be used? Well, yes, it can be. But then we have the problem that banks, again, think of latest date of shipment. They think of ports of loading and ports of discharge, which are wonderful. They fine, they're fine with FOB, but they are likely to call for an onboard bill of lading showing the consignee as to order and blank endorsed, which then makes the seller the shipper. That's fine if the seller's happy to take that risk. And just going back to it, FOB should not, under the Inco Terms 2020 rules, be used for containers. The reason given is that the seller provides the goods, delivers the goods to the carrier somewhere inland from the wharf. The seller provides the goods in a container, typically at their premises. Now, is there an immutable rule that the F and C rules must have delivery when the seller hands the goods to the carrier? We've seen in the D rules that the seller hands the goods to a carrier to transport the goods to the other end and customs clear for import and then they're handed once again to a carrier. So my personal belief is that we could have changed FOB to allow for this point that the delivery occurred when the seller's carrier placed the goods arranged for the goods to be placed on board because even the seller's carrier, a freight forwarder, does not place the goods on board. The operator of the vessel, who may not even be the shipping line that the freight forwarder contracted with, it could be a consortium that this vessel operates under. So the freight forwarder booked with shipping company A, but shipping company A merely had um, a slot charter for a certain number of, of containers on that vessel and the vessel was operated by Z. But that's okay, it's all workable had the rule of being changed to reflect what is clearly common practice out there in countries where container trade has developed in the last decade or two and the traders are using three-letter abbreviations without quite understanding what they mean, having simply a basic understanding. When the goods are exported on the vessel and the buyer arranged the vessel and is paying for the freight, the seller has delivered. So thank you very much, Bob. That was really, really interesting and, and very important. So FOB shouldn't be used for containers and container ships. And actually, uh, for my sins, I'm one of the hosts of the International Trade and Full Facing Association pub quiz tonight. And, and that question on 
whether or not FOB rules should be used for containers is one of the questions. So if anyone's listening now, you know the answer, and I'd be very interested to see what proportion of the trade finance community get that right. So FOB is very commonly used amongst all of the Incoterms 2020 rules, and it's important to understand that if the goods are damaged when on board the vessel, it's the responsibility of the buyer, ultimately. Bob, thank you very much for joining us on Trade Finance Talks. Look forward to hearing from you soon. Incoterms is a registered trademark of the International Chamber of Commerce, and this commentary supplements the ICC Incoterms 2020 rulebook, which can be purchased through your local ICC branch or online. Rules on the correct usage of the trademark can be found on the ICC website. For more information on Incoterms, visit tradefinanceglobal.com.